Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Uh, now, we cannot uh, end this first half hour here without mentioning uh, another thing that Donald Trump did, went to the EPA and signed the executive order. He promised during the campaign that he would, uh, remember he said climate change as far as he's concerned, he called it just a hoax. It's a hoax invented, he said, by the uh, Chinese to uh, screw American businesses uh, and put us at a disadvantage. And he promised to roll back uh, anything that President Obama had done to lead the fight against climate change. Uh, he came through with that promise yesterday, uh, signing a, um, a measure at the, again, at uh, EPA to undo the regulations on clean coal and, I mean, on coal-fired power plants. Uh, Donald Trump pretending we can have it all. We're going to have more coal, but we're more coal power plants, but we're still going to have clean air, clean water. We're doing them by the thousands. Every industry getting rid of regulations. We're going to have safety. We're going to have clean water. We're going to have clean air. But so many are unnecessary, and so many are job killing. We're getting rid of the bad ones. Hmm. 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 Ah. Uh, yeah. And we're going to have more coal. More coal, but it's going to be. Very clean. Very clean. Today, I'm taking bold action to follow through on that promise. My administration is putting an end to the war on coal. Going to have clean coal, really clean coal. 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 coal. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, contradiction in terms. It's an oxymoron. Uh, And then he turns to the... They line up all these coal miners in back of him, by the way, who are dumb enough to think that it's going to make any difference. Uh, here he turns to them. Basically, you know what this says? You know what it says, right? You're going back to work. <laughs> You're going back to work. Uh, every, uh, every article this morning about this signing of this executive order points out extensive coverage in the New York Times this morning. Check it out. Uh, that what Donald Trump is saying is not going to bring back the coal industry. The coal industry is dying today, not because of any environmental regulations, not because of what President Obama signed at all. The coal industry is dying today because the energy industry is turning away from coal to natural gas, which is cheaper and cleaner, and to renewable energy, solar and wind, which is cheaper and cleaner. Uh, And coal is just being left behind. Those coal mining jobs are not coming back. Uh, you can do everything we can to help those people through the transition, but the idea, this first, first of all, we don't want it to come back in terms of coal-fired power plants. Otherwise, we will not have never achieve uh, the clean air that we that we that we that we need. Uh, but again, you're not going to turn the economy around, and you're not going to convince the 
the the power companies whose business it is to deliver the power and yet make a big profit as well, they've learned that coal is not the answer, and there's no way no way going to turn back the clock. So this was a really uh, um, sick kind of thing for Trump to do yesterday. It was it was just a, a stunt. It was a photo op. It's not going to help anybody. No, it's not going to make the country great again. It's not going to bring any jobs back. It's no. just a twist in the knife towards a president. That a lot of Republicans hate in yeah. Barack Obama. Pure. That's all it is. It's just a yeah. just a slap in the face. I showed can. them. I I I I canceled out another Obama executive order. A cynical, cynical act on the part of a cynical president. Yes, indeed. Again, Donald Trump yesterday fulfilling. A uh, campaign pledge, a bad one, to roll back the clock on climate change and efforts by the Obama administration uh, to take the lead. Joining us in studio, Robinson Meyer from The Atlantic, staff writer who covers this issue for The Atlantic. Robinson, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Tell us, first of all, what does this executive order do? It does uh, a lot. Um, it, it, it. I think the last time I was on the show, we were talking about how Obama built up this huge record of climate regulations and, and guidance to the federal government just across all these agencies. And the executive order does a really good job of going one by one and eliminating so many of those protections. and All rules. at one time, huh? All at one time. There's still some that are hanging around, but it is uh, surprisingly vast. Um, so the first thing that it does is it tells um, the EPA to start rewriting and to review the Clean Power Plan, which is kind of the signature Obama regulation. Um, it it mm-hmm. targeted the power industry and um, guided states from having uh, from toward retiring their coal fleets, or if not retiring their coal fleets, then investing in renewable energy and, and natural gas and hydroelectric in other states. Um, it was a way to gradually move coal out of the kind of nation's electrical power fleet and move toward more natural gas and renewable sources. Uh, which utilities were starting to do anyway, correct? Which utilities are starting to do anyway, exactly. Yeah. And and the whole thing is made possible because natural gas is really cheap. Yeah. Um, thanks to fracking. And, and clean. And, and, and relatively clean, yeah. Um, and so uh, that has given utilities across the country a cheaper option than coal. Um, that to turn a coal-fired power plant into. Um, so these EPA rules, they are adopted by EPA, have been, were adopted by EPA, uh, and they, so the president cannot unilaterally just uh, undo those rules, right? They have to, don't they have to go through the same reverse rulemaking process? Yes, that's exactly right. So they'll go through another one to two year rulemaking process um, there is a standard that the EPA has to have a method of emissions reduction that is just as good as the Clean Power Plan, so it's going to have to find some way to do that. Um, and meanwhile, there'll be states and environmental groups suing basically to keep the right. Clean Power Plan from getting worse. So this is there are a lot of things that were in the executive order yesterday that do immediately go into effect and that there's very little ability for anyone else to stop. So um, the federal government will... Uh, offer coal leases on federal land in the mm-hmm. West. Um, and Trump also just immediately rescinded a lot of presidential memoranda from the Obama era that told the federal government, uh, just 
across agencies that they had to think about what an action, what the climate effect of an action would be, that they should plan for climate change and sea level rise when they are investing in a project um, or building a project. So all of those, all of that guidance that previously existed under Obama um, will now go away. And there's there's nothing anyone can do. That's just it. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get back to the the reality about which you know the New York Times has a lot on it this morning, uh, and and you and I've talked about it, I think the reality of coal. Uh, here's the headline in the New York Times: the policy's promise for coal power has its limits. <laughs> Hello. Duh. Yeah. 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 I mean, coal is not as big as it once was. Not because of Barack Obama, yeah, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it, the coal is the central, the central character in the in the decline of coal story has been natural gas. Um, just drill and mine a lot of more natural gas than we used to because of fracking. Um, we are a net exporter of natural gas as of last year, um, and that has been the driving force putting. Um, Coal, miner, coal miners in Appalachia out of work. And and the other thing there, too, is that um, it's just a lot easier to mine for coal in Wyoming, which is federal coal. Uh, the federal government leases that out. It's easier to mine for coal there. And so in some place, for is some companies... Close, closer to the surface? It's or? closer to the surface. It's not in caves. Um, and also, we've been mining in uh, the Appalachians for... Uh, 100 years, 150 years, and so all the easy seams are kind of are have been hit mm-hmm. there. Um, so, in s- some companies, actually, their coal output is the same as it ever was, but they're employing many fewer people in West Virginia, and Kentucky, and and elsewhere because they've moved automation. all that labor, be- both through automation and because they've moved. Uh, that production to Wyoming where they need fewer workers anyway and where they can automate more. Um, there is, There have been also successful activist campaigns against coal-fired power, power plants in the United States. Um, those have forced, those have been going on since before the Obama presidency. They've been led by the Sierra Club. And mm-hmm. those have forced a lot of utilities to move from, um, like if they were deciding whether to renovate a coal-fired power power plant or update it um, or replace it, those campaigns have convinced a lot of utilities to just replace it with natural gas or to put the put the plant out of commission altogether. Um, and there also haven't been new coal plant plants in a while for the same reason. Um, so it seems extremely unlikely. It just does not seem possible that Trump will be able to fulfill his main personal pledge out of these, uh, this order, which you know, which he turned around and said yeah, to the miners right. around him when he signed it, which is you're going back to work. Um, there was even a the CEO of Murray Energy, which is the largest coal company in the country, uh, told the Guardian on Monday, he said that he himself told Trump, "You have to tone this down. These people are not going to come back to work. Like you have to temper your expectations." <laughs> Well, we can we can see we heard a little earlier. We can replay that, Jamie. Um, that Donald Trump he didn't he didn't pro- no he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't promise him they're going back to work. No, here. Basically, you know what this says. You know what it says, right? You're going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> You're going back to work. Yeah, and the idiots applaud. 
Yeah. yeah. As if that, tomorrow they're going to go back to West Virginia, right? And, everything's and everything's open up be fine. Again. That, that says so much about the, like, the situation where we are right now because like, I get why those workers are frustrated. I understand that. I understand why they would vote totally. for Donald Trump. I yeah. really do. And like, he's just lying to them. And I think this is, I mean, they're, those are the best jobs in West Virginia. Sure. That's, good thi- that's the thing, right? And that's because that area, I mean, mountain, <laughs> if you want to talk about the whole world, right, mountainous areas are always are always hard to develop yeah. from a kind of international development standpoint. Yeah. And for 150 years, <laughs> there's been a resource curse there where all the, you know, the coal is privately owned. Those are the best jobs. The, and, and, the revenues from coal go to the same small group of people right. and that we know from the United States, we know from the whole world that doesn't make for the best democracies, especially the best democracies of like <laughs> foster economic equality. Right. Um, I mean, I think the other thing here is that it is possible that this like the important thing about the rule is both that it or the executive order is both that it probably it will not put these people back to work. Um, it will not bring back the coal market, but also it will have real effects. Um, there are a number of states that had to consider greening their electricity fleet because of the rules, um, because of the Clean Power Plan, that now won't think about it. They'll just put it off for five or ten years because they don't really want to think about it. It would be unpopular with voters. Um, and it's those states that are on the margins. Um, it's states in the south. It's uh, states in Appalachia um, that we're going to be forced to kind of think through these problems that now won't have to think through Ooh, the now, problems anymore. They'll be, now be off the hook. But I exactly. want to ask you about some of the other states. Okay, so for, I'm from California. Our governor's a good friend of mine, Jerry Brown. Uh, Mary Nichols is the head of the uh, um, Air Resources Board mm-hmm. and was under the first administration, which I served in, the first Brown administration, now is back is one of the strongest environmentalists uh, in, in the country. She's probably the leader on clean air. And and people think she's the strongest environmental regulator in the world. That total. She has more power. Yeah, than, yeah. total, right? Uh, there's no way that California is going to roll back. Uh, I mean, th- it's the law there. It's not just that they're they, they follow, following federal regulations. And their laws are a lot, and their regs are a lot stronger than the federal regs. There's no way they're going to roll things back. Exactly, exactly. Right? So... Are there other states like that, and won't there be won't there be really defiance on the part of some states saying, "No, you're wrong." I mean, yeah, you know, Jerry Brown. I just saw he he said, you know, uh, what was it? Something about there may be no climate change, but only in Donald Trump's mind. Yeah, yeah. It may right. be true that there's no climate change, but that's only in Donald Trump's mind, right? Yeah. Right, he right. can't change the reality. He can't change the reality, and he, he so right there. There's California um, states in the Northeast. Some of them have these rules, including New York and Massachusetts. Um, there's state laws. I mean, and the Clean Air Act, the Federal Clean Air Act, is very clear that states can go above and beyond right the requirements, and state utility boards can do whatever they want um, within reason, and so. I think there will be more and more states like that 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 take action themselves um, right. because the federal government isn't doing it. And this is not coal, but one other it, – it, it is climate change related, which are the CAFE standards, which Donald Trump says he's going to roll back. Uh, but again, 
if they roll them back, California's not going to roll theirs back. And so what are, and some other states may not as well. What are auto manufacturers going to do? Are they going to have two fleets of cars? This is the most interesting question. So the Pruitt, Scott Pruitt, the EPA administrator, idiot, is considering, <laughs> I think right. he's very intelligent. I just, he doesn't have the same goals as a normal EPA administrator. <laughs> Would have, right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I, uh, he is considering, according to reports, under the Clean Air Act, California has a waiver to set higher emission standards for mm -hmm. its auto fleet. He's considering withdrawing that waiver, which, first of all, it's not clear that he can do. Um, there'd be a big court fight. California would oh, love totally. to fight it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but right now, it the, because the federal government is reconsidering the CAFE standards after a, a similar order a couple weeks ago, um, and because last week California said, no, we're staying on our current path, um, there's going to be, right now in the law, there is a two-pronged system where California and all the states that have opted into California's regime, so that's the entire Northeast, North Carolina, and Georgia, um, are, there's two different, there could be two different fleets being sold in the country, <laughs> which no one wants. And no, so, it's insane. We'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think that's that's actually one of the, more interesting. It's a little complex because it's the tailpipe standards and the fact that California has like a special ability to set its own tailpipe standards is is not like anything else in the law. Mm -hmm. um, but it involves states. It involves, you know, Pruitt talks a lot about cooperative federalism. This is like such a federalist part of our environmental law. Sure. But you know, if the fact if the fact that they can manufacture cars that will meet California standards, that underlies or under undermines their argument that we can't do this, right? That it does. This is hurting us economically. It's and, just yeah. And in fact, the SU so the F the Ford F one fifty, the most popular truck in the country, the most popular car in the country, um, meets the twenty twenty standards. So you could sell today's Ford F one fifty for another four years. And you would still be meeting the standards of uh, mm. uh, of, of the law. So, right. um, I, I, yeah, we'll see. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Matt Fuller is with us from the Huffington Post, covers Congress for the Huffington Post. And it's good to see all of you today, too, on our video stream, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Thanks for joining us on Free Speech TV. And great to have all of our friends out from Chicago on WCPT uh, as well. So, Matt, um, thank you for coming in. Yeah. So I wanted to just to start with a little little fun thing. Um, the president yesterday uh, signing this uh, executive order on climate change mm -hmm. goes over to uh, EPA. And, uh, of course, he is Donald Trump. 
he's told us several times he knows more about climate change than anybody. <laughs> he knows more about ISIS than anybody. He knows more about believe me, whatever. <laughs> believe me, right? Believe me. Uh, and he never makes a mistake. Uh, he does everything <laughs> live, and he yeah. never makes a mistake. So uh, here he is at the beginning of that little uh, ceremony. With me, everything's live. Uh, one mistake, and it's no good. But we just can't make mistakes, right? So we don't make mistakes. Go ahead, Ken. Um, Chuck Canterbury, the National President of Fraternal Order of Police from South Carolina. We don't make mistakes. All right, go ahead, Ken. My name is Chuck. Uh, go ahead, Ken. Um, Chuck mistakes. Canterbury, the National President of Fraternal Order of Police from South Carolina. We can't make mistakes. Everything's live. We can never make mistakes. Arthur Delaney from the Huffington Post is with us right now. Uh, Arthur, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I, uh, I, that's just so the president, right? That's just, that's not a very good argument. Arthur, though. No, that's not bad. My no. eyes, my eyes bug out a little bit, which is really what sells it. But <laughs> we have never, uh, we've never had an good. Arthur Delaney imitation. That's in pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Always, always, always time for a first. All right, one. save the oh, tape on that man. one. Play that pretty good. <laughs> All right, now I, I don't know how. Almost as bad as that is Paul Ryan yesterday, <laughs> who says, "Gee, that uh, little um, that little vote." Or plan vote it never happened on healthcare last week went so well. Let's try it again. Here's Paul Ryan yesterday. A system in healthcare where everybody can have access to affordable coverage. We have more choice and competition. We don't want a government-run healthcare system. We all agree on these things. Yeah. So he says we're gonna go back at it. We're gonna bring it back, and and, and this time we're gonna make it. What? Who's he kidding? Yeah, uh, he's well. He's kidding uh, the 237 Republicans who are in the conference. I think a little bit, and 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 there's a lot of this is the voters, right? They all ran on this for seven years. They had to do this. So, the second that the the jig is up, um, that <laughs> it but, gets it gets very difficult and very hot in there, especially for for Speaker Ryan if he's you know going to take a hard line like you know we had our shot. I mean, which was what Trump was saying, right? It was like, yeah, yeah, we 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 tried it. And actually, it was a pretty reasonable position right. to take. Like, hey, we tried it. We're going to move on. Like, that's that. I, I thought Trump had the absolute right approach. It was yeah. a, it was a disaster. It was a humiliation. So just accept it and, and blame it on somebody else, which he did. Blamed on Democrat, and sure. then move on. Let's move on to tax reform. Let's move on to EPA. Let's move on to infrastructure. Right, Let's move right. on and get a win somewhere. Right? Yeah. Well, I, Ryan can be so like for Ryan to say that. Um, does the White House go along with that? I mean, yeah, so I, I mean, I, th- I think that their position all along and, and from the very beginning, I thought Trump obviously came in late and tried to be the ultimate closer. And turns out he couldn't close anything, couldn't close a refrigerator door, <laughs> but he did. He won over Mark Walker in the RSC. So congrats on that one. Um, yeah, I, I, they, he took a passive role. I mean, even during the State of the Union, you heard him say, you know, um, I call on this Congress to send me a bill. Right? Yeah. And then yeah. um, from the very beginning, he they weren't really involved in the writing. They came, Again, right. they came in late to make some concessions to the Freedom Caucus. Um, but really, they weren't totally involved in the, from the very beginning process. So now Ryan's taking a, a, you know this approach again that maybe we can do something. And, and you know, I, I, the odd part is I, I'm actually less pessimistic this time because I think that they're – this first process did teach some of these members something. I actually do think the Freedom Caucus really does want to get to yes this time around. So they might. Do you really? I really uh. do. I really do. Um, that first bill was not good for conservatives, and it wasn't good for anyone. I mean, and, and you look yeah, at nobody the, liked that. Yeah, you look at the CBO score, and it was yeah. horrific, right? And and and. Um, but you look at the CBO score on the second bill, and it was worse. 
Right. Well, then the, the updated score. Right. They. But yeah. I, so yeah. uh, my 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 thinking is, if you if you really want to do this right, you just sort of scale back, and you say, okay, what are the things that we actually do agree on? Uh, Republicans do agree on block granting Medicaid. Although I will I will I will note that it's never passed the House at this point. They've no. never been able right. to do it. Right. Uh, but they do agree on it. Uh, so um, and there and there really isn't. So you could you know there are, there are some updates to this. But to law me, from Republican to me, there's so many questions. Like, so if they're going to start over again, if they're going to yeah. try again, <clears throat> where do they do they go back to the first bill? The board, or yeah. do they go to the yeah. second bill? You know, and and the as we know, the split was basically between those who felt Republicans who felt the bill doesn't go far enough, yeah. to those who felt it went too far, right? Right. So as they made the bill more conservative, there were more Less. moderates who yep. dropped off. Absolutely. So where do if they're going to start again, where do they? What, again, I, what has changed? Yeah. that gives them well, a that better was, shot. That was the that was the fun thing that we saw yesterday was Ryan very publicly saying, you know. We're going to get this done. And, he, and then Steve Scalise even had some uh, more sort of head-in-the-sand comments about we've never been closer than we are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, again, I think that if you did scale this back, if you didn't make this, um, you know, an alternative uh, – a sorry, a uh, advanced refundable tax credit bill and you just did sort of mm-hmm. portions of the repeal with small portions of the replacement. And this is the other thing is that this, this bill, from the very beginning, I never thought was really destined – for the president's desk. I don't see how the bill that they were debating in the House could ever get through the Senate. So it was just, yeah, in some it ways, it was just get me- out of our chamber. A message bill. A message, and which they've done over 70 times now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, I think they could, there's a messaging bill that does exist that they could pass. Is there well, one that could get signed into law? I still don't think, I don't see right. the dynamics now, there. There's somebody missing from the equation here, right? Which is Democrats. Yeah. I mean, they could... If they wanted to, they could call it repeal or call mm-hmm. it reform, mm-hmm. whatever they want to call it. Rewrite. Rewrite yeah. or yeah. something. Um, they could come up with a list of things that they they could get Democratic votes on as well. Uh, I sure. mean, if they leave Medicaid alone. After sure. All. And in fact, if you locked in Medicaid, then there's probably a lot of things that. Yeah. Uh, and if they talk about prescription drugs, they talk about lower premiums, they talk about Medicare for every, whatever, you know, they, yeah. they could come up and get some Democratic votes. Is that in the cards? Yeah, I don't see that politically there at all. Um, and that, that would be the, that is the sort of event that would. That would be a Trumpian thing to do, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, everyone figures Donald. that, right? Like, like this idea yeah. that he would work with Democrats. But as we're seeing, and uh, there was a great piece uh, yesterday about how Democrats were taking note of how Trump treated uh, the Freedom Caucus chairman, Mark Meadows. Brings him in. He's his yeah. great pal. We're going to work together. We're going to get you to yes. And then he starts berating him when, they, when he doesn't. And they're like, well, what? There's no real political advantage for Democrats to get in, go in there, and and really the things that Democrats want, you know, they're on Obamacare. It's really increased subsidies to make basically the exchanges better. Okay, right. That's not what Donald Trump is looking at, right? And 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 maybe in his heart of hearts, he he doesn't care about the policy. He has no real ideology. But there are hundreds of Republicans surrounding him, and every Republican in in the House and Senate really is not looking to preserve Obamacare, right? Mm-hmm. At least publicly and politically. They all ran on, on repealing this. Uh, so, you know, and we and we saw, I mean, that the, the idea that what conservatives really hated about this was it preserved a lot of the ideas of Obamacare because that's really, at this point, the only workable health care system. So it's just, it's a, to it's a repeal it and replace it with something totally new, that's where you really come in with the problems. And I think there's a lot of bad faith actors there who are, um, 
you know, see that the Medicaid expansion has worked in nests like Arkansas, like Tom Cotton, yeah. uh, who are going to run and say politically, this isn't repeal Obamacare, but on the back end of it, they know if they did get rid of this, this would be disastrous for the constituents. Yes, indeed. It kind of all fell apart yesterday, the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, is it like Humpty Dumpty? Could it ever? Could they ever put it back together again? Uh, Ali Watkins covers these issues, national security, for BuzzFeed News in studio with us. Hi, Ali. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Uh, everything good at, on the BuzzFeed line? Is Trump allowing you into the uh, briefings? Uh, I think we're in now. You're, yes. Yeah, yeah okay. we have um, uh, our White House correspondent, Adrian, is there. Nice. Yes. So we've made it. You, you're <laughs> off the blacklist, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we've somehow gotten past that. Hump. The Although, failing pile of garbage? Fail- is that no, what he called you I mean, you guys? we have T-shirts at this point. Really? Yeah, we are owning it. So, good. Yes. You, sh- you should. Yeah, who doesn't want to be called a failing pile? Like, if he didn't call us a failing pile of garbage, are we really doing our job? No. So, yeah, I'll take it. So um, I want to get to the um, House Intelligence, Senate Intelligence Committees, and and all of that. But uh, just on a little tangent here, because we got to get it in. Um, One of our best friends here with the show is uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters from California, former as former Democratic chair of California, I've worked with Maxine for years and years, uh, and we did a long interview with her a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's on uh, our YouTube channel still if you want to go watch it. Yeah. Uh, YouTube.com slash the Russia. You should, because she doesn't hesitate to use the I word. Uh, she's the most well, first one out there, I think, with the impeachment word. Um, so she was on um, – they played a clip of her yesterday on – um, Fox and Friends played this. Bill, right. Bill O'Reilly was there. So, first of all, this is what Maxine was saying, Congresswoman. When we, we fight against say. this president and we point out how dangerous he is for this society and for this country, we're fighting for the democracy. We're fighting for America. We're saying to those who say they're patriotic, but they turned a blind eye to the destruction that he's about to, to cause this country. You're not nearly as patriotic as we are. So, yeah, th- yeah there she is. I love that. Full, full of vim and vinegar. And she, so Bill O'Reilly was on Fox and Friends, and they asked Bill O'Reilly, so what did you think about what the congresswoman said, Bill O'Reilly? So what does that mean, Bill? We've been listening all morning. We cannot. I, I didn't hear a word she said. I was, <laughs> I was looking at the James Brown wig. <laughs> what a dick. Ha. Ha. He's such yeah, a dick. What a total racist remark. And uh, he, he must have heard from somebody at Fox News because last night on his show. I said in a simple jest that the congressman's hair distracted me. Well, that was stupid. I apologize. I had no place in uh, the conversation. Uh, you can tell how sincere his apology is. Yeah, That's not an apology. No, it's not an apology. You know, I can't believe he is such a, I, I don't want to say the word, but <laughs> that he's lasted as long as he has. The yeah. ratings as good as they are. But. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, with the caveat of that, I am in this kind of dark Russia hole and did not catch up to that whole Bill O'Reilly yeah. Maxine Waters thing until last night. It's just, I mean, there have been so many like cringeworthy moments just happening. This is just one in kind of the string where you see something show up in your Twitter feed and you're just like, ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And this yeah. is one of them for sure. Well, uh, maybe another not quite so cringeworthy, but still a an unbelievable moment yesterday when April Ryan. 
uh, at the White House briefing asks uh, Sean Spicer a question about how are you going to get you know your 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 image back here? How are you going to improve your your you know kind of your public image after all that has happened, including the Russian connection? Sean Spicer. There is no connection. You've got Russia. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. That's all it is. I mean, the best part is how long did Sean Spicer, how long has he been waiting to use that joke in a briefing is what the real story is here. The least believable thing of that is that Donald Trump would ever eat a salad. Like, (laughs) until KFC sells salads, he's not going to eat a salad. And if he does, he'll put... Ketchup on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not Russia dressing. Get out of here. But, so, <laughs> Sorry. why do they continue to deny that they're... We'll get to collusion next, but the first step is connection. There's no doubt that there is. there were many Russian connections. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the... It's just to watch this happen is just... It, it, there is... There are ways that this could be handled... There are so many ways that this could be handled better for the Trump administration. I mean, there are ways that the Trump administration could be handling this to that would not be so controversial. You know, there's there's certain things that we know. We know that um, Carter Page has connections to Moscow. We know that Paul Manafort has some very questionable connections to Moscow through Ukraine, whatever. Um, Roger Stone. There are ways that they could own this without fueling the controversy. I mean, there has to be. We've kind of gotten to this point where the narrative is so conflated that, like, the Russia connection, admitting that there were certain characters that they they eventually distanced themselves from who had connections to Moscow, you know, we're not – that's not necessarily saying there was collusion between those people and Russian officials. It's just saying, like, these connections existed. They were wrong. We tried to distance these people from the campaign. Fine. Full stop. Done. But, like, why this has to continue to be – a, a, no. Yeah. Trump says Russia is fake news, and Sean Spicer, we hear him again, and he's said it so many times. There is no connection, no evidence of any connection. And then does that mean there's a denial of the Russian operation in general? Like, they're, they've still never really clearly said whether, yes, there was, the Russians tried to influence our election and succeeded to an extent. Like, they've, there's never been that clear recognition that we don't even know if the White House believes that. There really might not be, like— anything really incriminating there, right? Maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But yeah, the, hypothetically. But, but the point is, like, they're acting like very guilty people, Yeah. The, the Trump administration, every single one of them. They're all acting yeah. like there's something to hide and they're covering something up. Right. So, I mean, until they come clean and until they're honest about it and, and tell the whole story, then, yeah, I think you got to keep going after it. So then the question is, all right, so look, we know the 17 intelligence agencies already told us Russia was trying to influence the election. We know this list. You went down most of them. I uh, on CNN last night. I was with Anderson Cooper. He he identified eight different individuals around Donald Trump, not counting Trump, mm-hmm. right? Who have all had meetings, connections right, with with Russian officials, whatever they talked about. We don't know, mm-hmm. which aren't necessarily bad. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. The bad part is if there were any collusion. Yes. Right? Will we ever get to the bottom of that? I think that there's there are certain corners that um, hope that we can. Um, I think that it's so muddied with politics right now that there is a real question as to whether we will ever get a true yes or no answer. All right. How about from the FBI? Is that's probably 
That's the most likely. Yeah, that's the best bet. Um, Because even if the congressional committees would find something, they would have to refer that to the FBI. They can't unilaterally investigate something like that. So it really kind of begins and ends with the FBI. Um, And Comey was far more forward leaning two weeks ago, whatever that was, than any of us expected. So, yeah, I mean, if that's the posture that they're going to take, then, yeah, maybe we will someday find out. Senate Intelligence? The Senate Intelligence Committee, I think that... You know, from I had a couple of conversations with them this week and last week, just, you know, sources on the committee, and they are still moving forward on a, on a very bipartisan, cooperative basis. And they're at the point now where they're basically like, we are staying as far away from the House as possible. Like, we don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Like, we're doing our job here. We're continuing down the path. Um, and from what I understand, things are actually proceeding in a pretty cooperative manner and they're optimistic that they're going to be able to get answers how much of those answers will be public um is a question that kind of remains and also like i said if they would find examples of collusion or, or enough evidence to at least suggest collusion i'm not sure if they would be able to say that or if they would have to refer that to the fbi you know what i mean because I don't know if they could necessarily say we've examined the evidence and we're sure there's collusion. I think they would have to give that to the FBI. So I don't know that they could even say that publicly. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, we all know that elections have consequences, but still, we've learned that the hard way with Donald Trump, right? But still, even in elections, it seems to me there should be some limits. No politician should be able to destroy the planet. But that's exactly what Donald Trump tried to do yesterday, signing an executive order that reverses much of what President Obama accomplished in trying to combat climate change. Now, we know that Donald Trump promised to turn back the clock on climate change during the campaign. We also know that he believes, as he said many times, that climate change is nothing but a hoax invented by the Chinese. But still, the executive order he signed yesterday is especially bad news for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it does, in fact, put the planet in danger. There's no doubt 99.9% of the world's scientists agree that climate change is the greatest threat facing this planet. In fact, that's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that's already happening with the rise of sea levels, with the changes in our weather conditions and the buildup of serious storms already having major negative impacts on the environment and on the economy and on human settlements worldwide, and it's only going to get worse. Second reason what he did yesterday is so bad is because it's a big lie that reversing Obama's restrictions on coal-powered plants is going to put coal miners back to work again. The fact is that coal is a dying industry, that clean coal is a contradiction in terms, and coal is losing today not because of any environmental regulations, but because the utilities and the electric industry, the energy companies, have turned away from coal and turning toward cleaner and cheaper natural gas, and that's not going to change. change. You know, we can disagree on everything else on immigration, on charter schools, on affirmative action, on abortion, on the minimum wage, on the death penalty, and every other issue. But we should all agree on this, that no politician should be able to destroy the planet. This is The Bill Press Show.